morning. So, I'm just going to read, as, as you'll know if you've been with us before, we are going through Acts at the moment. So, I'm just going to find Acts 11, which is where we're up to at the moment. Um, and I'm going to be speaking about the first portion of Acts 11, where Peter goes back to the church in Jerusalem, and he um, basically tells them all about what's been happening. So I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to go through that in little sections. Okay. Now, the apostles and the brothers who, who were throughout Judea, Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticised him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained to them in order. It was in the city of Joppa. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, and he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, and you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as, as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John, baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he given to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When, he, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Okay, so that's the whole passage. I'm going to look at that in sections now. It's also um, worth noting that some commentators, some people have called this the redundant passage of Acts, which is a bit harsh. Um, but basically what they're saying is that this, is a, this appears to be a repeat of the beginning of Acts 10, that most of it is talking about Peter's vision. But actually it's really important that we get this repetition, because when God repeats something, because remembering this, is, this has been written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, so everything that's there is because God wants it to be there. So the fact that it's there again is really important, because it means that... that this is really important to God. God is trying to say something important. And this is a, because there's an important apparent, and I say apparent change, it's an apparent change from what the Jews were expecting. So it's, we're going to be talking about Gentiles, non-Jews being included in God's family and why that was a bit of a surprise to them. So I'm going to read through this again just in sections. So verses 1 to 3. Now the apostles and the brothers who were, who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, that is the Jews, criticised him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Which to modern ears doesn't sound that bad. 
But actually, that went against everything that the Jewish law said. You didn't associate with people that were non-Jews to that extent. To eat a meal with somebody was considered to be an intimate, important act. So to do that with somebody who was non-Jewish was a really... They just didn't do that, OK? So that's really important. So that's why I said they accused him of eating with them, OK? So there's a big change here in these first few verses. And then it says, but Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey, reptiles and birds of the air. So it's important to note here that Peter does not argue, he doesn't get cross, he doesn't get aggressive, he explains. This is as new to him as it is to the rest of the church. He wasn't expecting this. So he just explained. He knows because the Holy Spirit is upon him. He knows this is the right thing. So he just explains it calmly. Um, and he allows the person, people that are listening, the church in Jerusalem, to judge for themselves what is happening. So if we move on into verses 7 to 10. I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. Things happening three times is quite significant in the Bible as well. There are lots of instances where that happens. And all was drawn up into heaven. So clean or unclean, what is that talking about? So it's talking about under the Jewish law, many animals were declared either clean or unclean. So those that were um, um, called unclean um, were not eaten. I've got friends who are Jewish and they still follow these rules. So they will, there are some things that they eat, don't eat, and some things they do eat. There are some foods that they don't eat together. So they don't eat meat and milk together at the same meal and there's various different rules. And people who are considered to be good Jews, observant Jews, will follow those rules. Um, but this is now showing a change in that. Actually, that change had already happened and Jesus had already spoken about it. So I'd like to just read a bit from, from Mark 7, where Jesus is teaching. So Mark 7, verses 14 to... Um, not 13, probably 23. Right, okay. So, um, he called the people to, to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, i.e. they asked him about what he meant when he said that. And he said to them, then... Are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared, and it says in afterwards, thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, whatever comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, from, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So Jesus then was making the distinction about a moving on, a different way of thinking about um, 
how we decide what is clean and unclean. So what is unclean is what is coming from within us. Something that we take into ourselves cannot be unclean. And Paul also knew this from the teaching that he had had through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He said in Romans 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself, but it is unclean anyone who thinks it is unclean and in Colossians 2 he also said therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or sabbath these are a shadow of things to come but the substance belongs to Christ so there's a difference in how we're going to view food but also it's not really about food um Peter had already shown in the in the recount of the account of this in Acts 10, where he says it is thought unlawful for a Jewish man to visit or associate with one of another nation, but God has shown me that I shouldn't call any man unholy or unclean. And that is the real message of this vision that he's had. The bag, the sheet of creatures, symbolise the many nations of human beings. God shuns nobody who fears him and does what's right. So Paul, so Peter has learnt that he should associate with Gentiles, not just with Jews. God loved the whole world. He says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's everybody. And also, he said in 1 John 2, the propitiation, that is the, the substitution, the, the payment for our sins, and not just for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So that's a, a, a change. So will the Peter's Christian brothers in Jerusalem take this on board? So he set out his stall, he said what he thinks that this means, that God's revealed to him, but what are they going to do? But also, he now realises that that's going to be an issue, so he makes sure that he makes it clear that this has come from God and the reasons that he thinks that. So in verses 7 to 14, he says, And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers, so he, he appears to be referring to these six brothers that are with me here, are also, also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told, told us how he'd seen an angel standing in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So Peter's got witnesses. So the three men that, that um, Cornelius sent to go and fetch Peter are, are there and can confirm bits of the story that, that Peter has said. He also makes it very clear that this has come from the Spirit. He says, the, whole, the Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit told me. So that's important. Making no distinction. So they've, you know, the Holy Spirit has said to him directly, you can go with these men, it's okay, that's what I want. He also is accompanied by who he refers to as six brothers. This probably means six Christian men who, because of the way that the church had grown, had grown out of the, the Jewish faith, they would, they would have been Jewish. So you've then got these six Jewish people who are with him as well. So that also um, lends weight to the idea that this is an okay thing to do. Also, he talks about Cornelius. So the man that he's referring to, if we think back to Acts chapter 10, that is Cornelius, and an angel showed up in his house to tell him what was going to happen. So if God can send an angel into a Gentile's house, 
then surely it's okay for Peter to be there too. So that's kind of, you know, kind of what I found in that passage. Okay, so you know, Cornelius was a Roman, not a Jew, so he would have, it would have been a bit of a surprise to have an angel in his house. If, 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 he's entered, you know, if an angel's entered his house, then it's not going to be wrong for Peter to do that. Okay, he then, again, recounting the story of what's happened. So this is Peter speaking. As I began to speak, in verse 15, he says, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as it on us at the beginning. And remember the word of the Lord, say how he said, <clears throat> John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he's given to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus. Who, who am I that could stand in, in God's way? So he's, he's drawing together several ideas here. So he's contrasting or he's, he's showing the similarity of what's just ha- you've seen happen to the Gentiles with what happened in Acts 2 at Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out on the believers. In every other instance between this instance and that, the spirit is being given by the laying on of hands, which is what often happens today. When we, when we pray for people and we, we lay hands on them, they, they, the spirit will fall on them. Okay? This is the first instance chronologically where the spirit falls without that happening. So it's an, it's an echo and a picture of what happened at Pentecost, except that this time it's happened to people who were not Jewish, who were Gentiles. And I think that's significant. Okay, so... It's God showing that he's going to give his spirit to people who are not Jewish and that they are going to be part of God's family just like the Jews were. Okay? So he says that, and then the last verse it says, when he heard these things, they, the the church in Jerusalem, fell silent and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So they withdraw their objections. Being honest and reasonable men, they withdrew their objection. However, we need to understand that it was much more than mere objection that they withdrew. It was an ingrained belief that they'd been brought up with and had practised their whole lives. They were giving up the law that they'd conscientiously lived by, and they were giving up a prejudice that friends, family and associates outside the church would still hold to. But they they were giving up a foundation of their culture. But we need to admire their courage and integrity and their readiness to so invert their thinking and their lives for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Okay. And it may appear superficially that God has changed his mind. Up until now, it seems that everything has been for the, for the Jewish people. Um, and now it, it feels like God has gone, actually, no, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to have the Gentiles in as well. But actually, if we look back through the Old Testament, we can see clues that this was always going to be God's plan. And Paul had noticed this, when he, and he writes about this later chronologically in time when he writes the book of Romans. And in Romans 9, I'm going to read a, a fair chunk of Romans line. There's people who know I've been up here that I like reading chunks of scripture. But this is really, really good in terms of rounding this off and, and understanding this passage. So in Romans 9, verse 9, starting from 9, verse 19, Paul writes, Will you say to me then, why does, why, why does he still find fault? For who can resist? So this is about the sovereignty of God. So for who can resist his will? Who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will what is moulded say to the moulder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honourable use 
someone that belongs to God, and another for dishonourable use, someone who does not? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, indeed, as he says in Hosea. So now um, Paul is picking up um, what the prophet Hosea wrote in his book. Those who are my people, I will call my people, and her who was not my beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. So that is several verses from chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Hosea coming out there. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved, for the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would not have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So what, God, what Paul is trying to argue here and what he's trying to say is that there was a belief that the whole Jewish nation would be saved and people who were not Jewish were not saved. But what he's saying is that the actual true inheritors of the promise different from that. There will be some people who have Jewish heritage who will be saved, and there will be some, a, lot of, and a lot of people who've never had any Jewish heritage who will be saved. What matters is our faith in Jesus. What matters is making that decision and faith, prompted by the Holy Spirit. So I believe that God initiates it, but we respond to it. And I think that, that and what our background is, no matter who we are, no matter where we've come from, we can respond to that calling God. We can repent of our sin and we can become part of God's family. That is what Chris and Chris and the, pe- the pe- people that are being baptised, that's what they're showing. That's what they're, they're, they're showing to us. That's happened and they are now going to be baptised as a symbol of that.